Well, I met Christine Kane uh, for the first time in about 2001, and uh, I have been absolutely uh, honored to be able to watch her ministry up close and from a distance for many, many, many years now. Uh, Christine Kane is a builder of the local church. She is a lover of Jesus. She is a lover of her family. She is an advocate for those who are marginalized and not taken care of. Uh, I've been able to watch her, like I said, from uh, up close and from a distance, and it has been her character, her integrity, her resolve as she has stepped into the places and spaces that many others have refused to step into. And it's been in those places and spaces where she has seen miracles take place. She has seen women rescued and advocated for. She has seen churches built in some of the craziest parts of the world. And uh, I gotta tell you, this is uh, not just a guest speaker to me, but it is a true joy and honor and privilege to have Christine Kane in the house today to bring the word on Palm Sunday. So would you stand to your feet just one more time? Can we give honor where honor is due? Can we welcome Christine Kane to preach the word today? Good morning, church. Thank you. How y'all doing? Okay, y'all can be sit. Whoa. Y'all can be seated. Man, there is so much energy in this service. I don't know. I, I, I thought like Utah was a place where everyone was asleep, but obviously not at the well. That is for sure. I'm like, if we bottled the energy in this room, we would save the world's energy crisis. I'm telling you. Turn the person next to you and say, you're the best looking thing I've seen this morning. <laughs> okay. Hang on, hang on. Now turn to your second choice and say, you're actually better looking than that other person. That is. <laughs> it is my honor to be here. I'm already in love. Uh, with your church. I mean, what, a, what, a, what an awesome oasis uh, in the midst of such, such um, hopelessness in our world today. The fact that God has raised you up in this hour, in this place. I'm from um, California and uh, we've got about two people left because the rest of you have obviously <laughs> come to Utah. I think that is what is happening right here. I found you all. I thought, where is the exodus? Um, out of here. So for the rest of us, we've been in a pandemic, apparently, like Utah, Texas, and Florida haven't. So um, it's, it's nice to be in the promised land. My plane... <laughs> yes, in many ways, there's much I could say, but I won't. So I am here with the single most ravishing piece of masculine flesh on planet Earth. And so my husband, we were married 26 years last Wednesday. So... And Nick, to commemorate our 26 years, he just, he just did the Cape Epic, which I don't know if there's any mountain bike riders in the room, but it is like legitimate at 55. The dude did, is it miles or kilometers? 791 kilometers in eight days, 80,000 or 70,000 feet of elevation. I know. I like to keep my man fit. <laughs> but it's church and it's the nine o'clock, so you're the very spiritual service. So I... <laughs> I'm going to stay. My, my great friends, Danny and Nicole and their family, were staying with them. He told me I have to behave at this church. So um, I'm trying to do that right now. I think I might have a photo. I don't know if my, like that's Nick. And then I don't know if I've got one with my daughters. Um, yes. So I have Catherine Bobby, who is um, 20, and she is a freshman at Pepperdine. I don't know if you know where Pepperdine is. It's on Malibu Beach, so pray for her as she suffers for Jesus, waking up every morning like, you know, she said, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll go. 
And then my, um, my Sophia, Joyce, and Nick, my husband, is number 14 of 15 children. I know, I even got a wall at Utah, so that's good. So he's, um, I, <laughs> there was no television in that part of Australia, just so you know. And um, so my mother-in-law, she never even thought you were a chick until you popped out like 10. And so I would take Catherine, Bobby and Sophia to her. I go, this is Catherine, Bobby. She's my alpha. And this is Sophia. This is the omega. And this is the beginning and the end of my childbearing years. Like, seriously. I thought, honey, I did not pop out my first till second till I was 35 and my second till I was 40. And when you pop out a kid at 40, I know. You're like, some of you are trying to do the math, aren't you, right now? I'll save you. 56 soon, so send presents. And, um, and so, you know, I'm like, you're, I was looking for a vacation. Um, people go, man, did, did, you know, were you planning to do A21? Uh, I was at 40. I had just popped out Sophia. I, wasn't, I was planning to go to Santorini and have a vacation on a Greek island. And then, as the Lord always does, he interrupted my plan with his purpose. And, you know, it sounds romantic when you think about it, but, you know, um, <laughs> it's a lot of work. That's all I want you to know. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. And by God's grace, um, here we are 15 or almost 15 years later with 19 officers in 16 countries and thousands of men, women and ch children rescued, hundreds of traffickers in jail and hundreds of millions of people made aware. And so I'm so grateful to God, but I'm still looking forward to my Santorini vacation, just so that you know. I'm both Greek and a woman, um, in case you don't know. So I only speak three ways, hard, fast, and continuously. So you will not fall asleep this morning, I'll tell you that much. But uh, my parents, so has anyone seen my big fat Greek wedding? You heathens, you watch television and movies up here. Okay, so my Big Fat Greek wedding, no joke, is my Big Fat Greek life. Like 100%. If you came to my house that I was raised in in Australia, we got like Parthenon columns in the front. Um, there's cement everywhere because Greeks cement everything and then wash the cement and help the environmental crisis. And so it is like, you know, and, and we eat like moussaka and baklava. Like it's just like food, food and food. So exactly that movie is my life. So my parents were take us to this beach. I grew up on the east coast of Australia in Sydney. And my parents would take us up to a beach called Eumina Beach. Now, this beach was notorious in Australia for the rip, the undertow that was um, underneath. And so people like died. I, I, I possibly will need therapy to wonder why my parents took us so frequently to this beach with this rip where people died. Maybe there's a subliminal message that's deep in my inner wounded child is in there somewhere. So anyway, they would take us up there and my dad would put this huge beach umbrella up, really colorful, nice and Greek and, you know, really colorful. And then these towels over here. And he would say to us when we would go out to swim, he'd say, kids, I need you to go out when you go out and swim, I need you to look up really frequently. These two things are going to be your markers. The beach towels and the beach umbrella is going to be your marker. Now, you're going to be having so much fun out there that you're not even going to realize that under the surface there's a rip. And the rip is going to drag you out whether you realize it or not. So you have to look up frequently at the beach umbrella and the beach towel. You need to check that out and you need to make sure you're staying between those markers. And then my dad would always say, kids, I need you to remember, all you have to do to drift is nothing. That's all you have to do to drift. You, you don't have to do something. And that would come through everything in our lives. All you have to do for your marriage to drift, you don't have to go and have an affair. Just do nothing. Just do nothing. 
If you want your family to drift, your kids to drift away from you, you don't have to do something necessarily bad to them. Just do nothing. Ignore them. I mean, if you're a chicken, you want your eyebrows to drift, just do nothing, you know. Like, so, I mean, we could go through the whole list. If you want your fitness to drift, just do nothing. You want your health to drift, do nothing. Neglect and doing nothing causes more drift than intentionally doing something that's going to cause us to drift. Now, Nick loves to boat, and, and so we were uh, out, and, in, you know, we put our, uh, the boat out, and we were... I, I think boating has got one major purpose, and that is like to sunbake, okay? So that is what I love to do. And so we were out one day, and Nick's like, Chris, you know, will you throw the anchor out? And I'm like, you know, that was like a disturbance to my sunbaking. So I just kind of grabbed the anchor and just like threw it out. And about 30 minutes later in the anchorage, our boat had drifted, and we like hit another boat. And Nick's like freaking out, and he's like, Chris, Chris. You know, I told you to throw the anchor out. I said, I did. He says, yes, but did you check that the anchor actually made connection with the seabed and that we were anchored? And I said, you didn't tell me that. So you just said, throw the thing out. <laughs> and it's one thing to have an anchor. It's another thing to be anchored. And so the days in which you and I are living in, there have been some major shifts there have been some major cultural shifts under the surface we have had in the last five or six years in my lifetime, the most expedient, the most rapidly changing sociological, political, economic, moral, environmental shifts that I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's like we've got whiplash. We're like, what happened? What happened to the world? How did it change so quickly? And how is it continually changing so quickly? And this is the day and the hour if you and I as the church of Jesus Christ do not make some decisions, that there's some markers that we are going to check. And if we don't check those markers, we will inevitably drift. It's not a matter of might we, you will drift with the cultural shifts that are happening in this moment if you don't make a decision to check your markers or that you are anchored. Scripture says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is this hope we have. We were just singing about it. We were singing, we won't. You won't. He won't fail. And you won't drift if you are anchored in Christ. If you are not anchored in Christ, He still won't fail, but you will drift. He is the anchor. And Jesus is this hope we have. As an anchor for our soul, Scripture says, both firm and secure. So why? Hasn't it been that firm and secure for a whole lot of people, especially in the last four or five years? Seen people walk away from faith, see people destabilized when it comes to their faith, and we're like, what happened? The anchor is secure. Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both firm and secure. The anchor's not broken, but perhaps the links in the chain that are connecting the anchor to the boat are rusty for some of us. And so maybe we need a spiritual link check and go, what are, what are some of the links in the chain that might be connecting us to the anchor? Because our anchor doesn't just go down to the seabed. Our anchor actually goes into eternity behind the veil. Oh, it is firm and secure. In an hour where between a pandemic and between wars and between political instability and racial riots and all the challenges that you and I have lived through, you go, why are people wavering? It's because somewhere the connection to Jesus has been destabilized because Jesus is secure. He is seated at the throne at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, making intercession for us. Nothing has changed. 
except we've had a big unveiling to perhaps determine where our hope has been. What has been unveiled in the last few years is not the instability of Jesus, but the misplaced hopes of his people. It's the, I'm trying. This poor little white girl is standing here giving it a go, okay? But the fact of the matter is that our hopes have been misplaced. We're a little bit like the disciples. Remember when Jesus had risen from the dead, but the two disciples on the road to Emmaus didn't know. And um, Jesus was walking with them. (laughs) And they're like looking down. This is where most of us have been, just looking down, just so despondent. And they're saying to Jesus, we had hoped that he was the one. And he's like, "Uh, I'm here. (laughs) And many of us is like, we had hoped, whatever our hopes were. We had hoped that job was going to come through. We had hoped that business was going to make it. We had hoped it was going to be that political party. We had hoped that we would be further. Oh, we had hoped. And Jesus is like, well, if I was your hope, that is an anchor for your soul, both firm and secure. I haven't actually gone anywhere. I haven't gone anywhere. Nothing's changed. So if the church of Jesus Christ ultimately hasn't got its hope anchored in Christ, what hope is there for the world? It was to this situation that the writer of Hebrews was writing to the Jewish Christians who had come through a time where it was costing them everything to be a Jesus follower. They had converted from Judaism to Christianity. And as they converted, they were losing everything. They were losing their rights. They were losing their privileges. They were losing any sense of cultural currency. It was, they, they were having to flee to the mountains because some were being martyred for their faith. I mean, there was a time in America where there was a lot of cultural currency in being a Christian. It, it, it suited you. It gave you an opportunity for a job or it gave you an opportunity to be just thought well of in society. But in 2022, there's no cultural currency anywhere with being a Christian. In fact, people think that to be a Christian is you must be narrow-minded, you must be bigoted. How could you be so exclusive to think there's only one way to God? How on earth could you adhere to a biblical sexual ethic? That's just like so 18th century. How on earth could you believe in that book? And I mean, if you had a brain in our scientific rational age, how on earth would you believe in an immaculate conception or a physical resurrection of some guy 2,000 years ago from the dead? Oh, it's not cool to be a Christian in 2022. It's not cool to be a Christian. And so in that context, it's easier to go back to where you came from than to stay and to continue to move forward. So into that context, the writer to the Hebrews, he begins in Hebrews chapter one and he's reminding, because these uh, Jewish Christians were wanting to go back. They thought, you know what? It's just easier to go back to Judaism. And he begins in Hebrews chapter one. I mean, I've been locked in Hebrews these last two years. And he begins talking about the supremacy of Christ, the greatness of Christ. He says, what are you gonna go back to? Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. What are you going to go back to? And I feel like yelling to half the people in the church are going, what exactly do you think you're going to go back to? Jesus is better than sin. Jesus is better than hopelessness. Jesus is better than lifelessness. Jesus is better. So he starts in Hebrews chapter one. He's talking about how great Jesus is. And then I love it. Our text is Hebrews chapter two. He says, therefore, Therefore, because Jesus is better, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be a reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? All you have to do to drift is nothing. That's all you have to do to drift. How will we 
escape if we neglect this great salvation. So he says, we also must pay not just attention, but much closer attention. In the Greek, that word is perisoteros prosochien. People go, Chris, how do you know a little Greek? I'm little and Greek. And so there you go, it's very deep, very deep. I'm, I know a little, but, but I remember my mum, if we'd come into a, a dangerous situation, my mum would go, Christina. And she'd say out loud, you know, Betty Soteros Prosochina. And I would know from the tone of her voice and the use of her words that, Chris, this is not a time just to be careful. Be extra careful. And I would say the Holy Spirit is saying to his church, oh, oh church, don't just pay attention right now. Pay much more attention. Lest also we drift away from so great a salvation. And so, how do you know that you're drifting? Because most people, like my dad would say, you're just going to be out there having fun. You don't even know you're drifting until suddenly you go, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I'm going to give us some signs because if the anchor is secure, but it seems like we're drifting, maybe there's something wrong with one of the links in the chains that connects the anchor to the boat. No point being in the boat if, the anchor's not, if you're not connected to the anchor. Doesn't matter how beautiful the boat is. It's the anchor that keeps you stable, nothing else. And some of us have gotten so caught up in polishing the boat, we forgot to check whether we were still connected to the anchor. And so we've got to pay much closer attention lest we too drift. So what might be, 2022, Utah, what might be some signs of drifting? What might be some signs of drifting in our day? There were signs of drifting in the book of Hebrews for, for the Hebrew followers of Jesus, for the Judaizers that had converted. What might be some for us as 21st century Christians in North America? What, what might be some signs of drifting? So I'll give you a few. We'll see how many we get through. The Holy Spirit stops moving in 26 minutes. So I just want you to know, we'll see how many happen to that because we've got to clear the parking lot. You need a bigger building. That's what I'm saying. Like this is what you all need to do. You'll need to give more to the building fund so we can get a bigger building. But here is the deal. What might be some signs of drifting? Here's the first one. That you know, how do you know you might have drifted? You know you might have drifted if a blue check mark is more important to you than a heart check. So we're living in a day where, man, if I just get my blue check mark, just get that verification. And what we do is, Forget the fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ validated us through His death and resurrection, but now I need my blue check mark. And we just think, man, if I just put great pictures out there and if I just curate my public profile and we no longer are cultivating private intimacy with Jesus because we're too busy curating a public profile for people. And when you curate a public profile for people, you begin to believe your own press. And we just think, oh, as long as I've got the right filter on that, the right cropping of that. And you know what we're all like? Where's my phone, Nick? We, we, you know what we're like? We're like, oh man, I just wanna post a nice little spontaneous, authentic picture of myself in my most natural state. So I get out under the best lighting and I get under the, the best angle. And then I take that photo and I make sure I edit it and I crop it and I put the right filter on it. And you know, I upload it at right the exact timing when I've got maximum people that are doing this. And I'm like, you know, hashtag my most transparent, authentic self, spontaneous, hashtag blessed. Um, 
And if it doesn't get the right amount of likes at the right amount of time, we'll just try another one. And we spent our whole life like that. Man, how can I make the people happy? How can I get more likes? How can more people like me? And we no longer care about becoming like Jesus because we just want to be liked by people. Oh, we have Palm Sunday this week. Everyone, Jesus is coming in and everyone's, Hosanna, Hosanna. You're awesome. Son of God, Hosanna. Next week, the same crowd, crucify Him. Crucify Him. Same crowd that's liking your post this week is gonna cancel you next week, just so you remember. And we're so obsessed with the blue check mark. Man, that makes me important. And we're no longer allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and shine His light on the inside of us to see, am I being conformed and transformed to the image of Jesus? All I wanna do, man, is get my name out there and build my platform. Really? You know, when they built the Tower of Babel, they said, come, let us build a name unto ourselves. How did that work out for them? (laughs) And you don't hear people concerned about whose name might be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, as long as my name is known here on earth. I'm like, maybe if we put a little bit more attention. Scripture says, don't rejoice that the spirit, that the demons tremble. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're like, man, my name's out there. Got to build my brand. God really couldn't give a rip. (laughs) Just so you know, couldn't give a rip about anyone's brand. He's not obligated to protect your name or your brand. He's obligated to protect His glory. That's all that really matters. So He will protect His glory on the inside of us. Are we carriers of the glory of God? So maybe you've drifted if you just care a little bit more about being a people pleaser than a God pleaser and needing to be accepted and affirmed by man rather than truly known by God. Maybe another sign of drifting is if you know, if, if my will becomes more important than God's will. You know, I mean, we live in the era where everything's about my will, man. Self-actualization, self-fulfillment, self-realization. It's just, of course, God wants to bless what I wanna do. I mean, it doesn't matter if I leave my wife and jump into bed with that other person because I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Oh, it's amazing what we justify. Because of course, God just wants to grant the desires of my heart. He just lives in His Trinitarian state just for me. It is so amazing to me. And yet Jesus, even just a few days from now in the Holy Week calendar, even He had to kneel before His Father and say, Is there any other way? Do you have a plan B? His words are, would you take this cup from me? And then the most missing words in Western, the Western Christian church, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When was the last time? Everything in you, seriously, it's like, yes, but Chris, you you don't understand. You know, my hormones were all firing. I'm just ready to go. Everything in me wants to jump into bed with that person that is not my spouse. I'm not denying that. I'm not minimizing that. I'm absolutely saying, yes, everything is on go. But when was the last time you went, even though everything in me wants to, nevertheless? Nevertheless. Everything in me wants to lie or cheat or take a shortcut or do, but nevertheless. Nevertheless. I mean, our big... 25, you know what? One day they're gonna like <laughs> dig up a time capsule of like 
21st century world and they're going to go, well, like, what was the most, what was the biggest phrase in the 21st century, a phrase that defined a generation? And for us, it's going to be like, they're going to dig it up and go, what does this even mean? You do you boo. y'all don't do you. This is the whole problem. Let me give you some theology for that. In the book of Judges, it says, and now everyone did what was right in their own eyes. How did that work for them? You wonder why our world is cray cray? Because everyone is doing what is right in their own eye. Everyone has their own opinion. You have your truth. I have my truth. Let's all kumbaya in Nirvana. Go there and hold a, you know, hug a tree, kiss a whale. I'm like, honey, there is only one truth and his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You're wondering why a generation is bound because we're full of my truth. If you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So maybe you know you're drifting if it's all about your will and not about God's will. Maybe you know if you're drifting, if you care more about everyone else's business, then you care about the Father's business. I mean, in our world of social media, we've all got an opinion about everything. It is amazing to me how many experts there are on physics and science and politics and social policy and global policy and environmental policy. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know you could spell it. Now you're a rocket scientist. Because <laughs> you've got an opinion on everything. You need to go on everyone's post and give an opinion. You're entitled to have your opinion, honey, but you just don't have to give it to everyone all the time. <laughs> Feel free to keep it to yourself. I don't know what it is about this generation. I'm like, do you think God doesn't read your social media feed? When we're gonna have to give an account for every idle word that comes before us, do you think like God closes His eyes while you basically gossip and slander and go down some rabbit trail of some conspiracy weird theory? Or if you are going out there propagating things that are not true, or you are lying about someone else, or you are just, oh, it's very quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna go over here to the Baptist section. I'm gonna leave the Presbyterian section over there. It is amazing to me how we check our Christianity at the door as we get meddled up in everyone else's business, even when the Scripture tells us, don't get involved in something that's not your business. And we're just adding to the division and the chaos. This is the most divided, they say, time in history. And we're just adding to it. I'm like, does anyone not have real people to talk to in your living room? Turn your phone off, have your conversation. You just don't have to put it all out there. It is amazing to me that we're just out there and we're all about everyone else's business and then we're wondering why the kingdom's not advancing on the earth. Do you remember Jesus' first words, first recorded words in the Scripture? Not first words, but His first recorded words. We often don't think about that. He was 12. It was 12 when we have His first recorded words. Only Luke tells us about that. And remember when Mary lost Him for a few days? And that scripture where, you know, Mary lost Jesus, it's in the Bible for every mother on earth. Because every mother at some point has forgotten to pick up your kid from school. You forgot you even had a kid. You left him at the supermarket. You know, every mother has done that. And so it is awesome to me that God let us read that like Mary forgot God for three days. 
I'm like, awesome. I'm all right. I'm like, that's, that's cool to me. Then I've, I forgot Catherine once in a shop, but that's all right. So I didn't forget God for three days. So that's why. But you know, when, when Mary went to, um, and she found Jesus in the temple. Now, I tell my daughters, don't talk to me the way Jesus talked to his mother in that moment. Because he, remember when she walked in, he's like, woman, I said, do not try this. <laughs> I go, do not, do not even think about this to my children. But anyway, um, he goes, woman, he goes, why were you looking for me? These are the first words of Jesus recorded in the scripture. He said, do you not know I must be about the father's business? I wonder if the church would just get about the father's business and mind your own business and leave everyone else's business, okay? And let God take care of that. And we get about the, imagine what the world would be if we were a church that was about the Father's business. We leave everybody else's business alone and we are about the Father's business. What is happening on the earth, the enemy is just distracting us with a whole lot of stuff that in light of eternity isn't gonna matter so that we don't get about the eternal Father's business. So maybe you know you've drifted. If you spend all your life scrolling through everyone else's life so you don't live your own life. I'm gonna just move to the next point right now. <laughs> you know that you've drifted maybe if you spend all your time talking about it to everyone else rather than praying about it to God. It is amazing to me how prayerless this generation is. See, I thank God for lots of things. One of the things I thank God for the most is that I was saved before there was an internet. My children can't understand this. They don't know that there was a time on the earth when we didn't have a computer. They don't realize um, there was a time on the earth when, you know, there was no social media. They're like, like, they, like what was it like? You know, Sophia looks at her dad and me sometimes and goes, what, what was life like? Like it was just this foreign. But here is the benefit of that. The benefit of that is that I had to go into a prayer closet and I had to get to know the Holy Spirit so that He could speak to me about where God wanted to take me. Nowadays, no one's going to God to ask them. They're just scrolling through social media and deciding what they wanna do with God, um, for God, because whatever looks the best and looks the most glamorous and has got the best spotlight on it, that's what I wanna do. So we no longer go to God to ask Him what it is that He wants us to do. We decide and then ask God to bless us what we've decided that we wanna do with our lives. And then we wonder why God's anointing is not on it. So we're like, God, would you come and bless me in my endeavor rather than God, what are you doing so I can join into what it is that you're doing and I will go into what you have. And in our very therapeutic culture, and I'm all about therapy, I'm all about getting every bit of help that we can, but I do wanna remind you that God has given us a wonderful capital C counselor and that when all we do is spend our time scrolling through whoever the best latest Instagram counselor is as opposed to going to our wonderful counselor there is something that's just off something that's just off you know there is a term that they use it's called moralistic theistic dualism let me just tell you what that means it means like we actually really don't want God to give us His insight. We just wanna feel better about ourselves by talking about ourselves all the time. And there's like this victimhood mentality that if we go to God, God might actually challenge us to change some things so that we can get healed and that we can move forward. And we don't want that. We'd rather go to people who will keep us in the pit and stay comfortable in the pit with us rather than helping us get out of that pit and being launched into our God-given destiny. 
I know it's quiet in this section, so I just, this is the section that wants healing. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna speak to you. I'm gonna speak to the people that really want deliverance. But it's an interesting thing when you're not going to God as your first point. Now, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsellors, yes. It's important that we go and get help. But I'm wondering, does anyone go to God? When I just listen to conversations and I read posts, I'm like, you obviously have not prayed today. You obviously have not read your Bible because if you had, you wouldn't be saying that. So I wonder, I wonder whether we're drifting. If we really deep down are not thinking that I'm gonna go to God because deep down I don't really believe that prayer changes anything. And we have such a prayerless generation. See, but when you know that prayer moves God and when God's moved, God moves mountains. So on the earth right now, we've got people trying to move mountains and only God can move. We got people out there in their own strength trying to do what only God can do. So I wonder if we've drifting. I wonder if we've drifted if, um, you know, we are comparing and competing against each other rather than celebrating one another. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that we are one body, many parts. I was thinking that today, Danny was driving Nick and I to church and uh, one of the last times we were here in, in Park City, my husband went um, skiing with Danny, who, Danny had one job, look after my husband. So my husband falls down the mountain and breaks his collarbone. And um, I was, you know, so distressed, not about his collarbone, but that it was gonna ruin my holiday. And so, <laughs> oh no, wait till you see what happens. So then um, we go from here, from Park City to Colorado to Bachelors Gulch, where we do a bit more skiing. And this one day, we were with five other American families and uh, from Louisiana. And it was during the Winter Olympics, so we would watch the Olympics at night. And remember, I hadn't skied, I, was, I didn't know how to do it. And I, I felt a moral responsibility to represent Australia at these Olympics. I felt all these Louisiana Americans. And you know, I thought skiing was like surfing, it's not. And so I, I, I would watch the Olympics at night and then I'd get up in the morning and think, I, I'm gonna do that. And so I was at Bachelors Gulch and I, 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 you know, I was on the, you know those flat green slopes where the two-year-old kids are? You know, like it was Christine and the two-year-olds. And so um, Nick, this one day, was gonna go with all the guys on this like black double diamond suicide, like whatever it is that you all do here in Skiville. And so, and I said, and I said to him, no babe, I want you to come with me today. And um, on the green slopes, you know. And so Nick being a good husband comes um, with me and I'm like skiing away and I go to him, babe, if you were with all the guys right now, you wouldn't be having any more fun, would you? And of course, any man that's been married for one minute knows that if your wife ever asks you a loaded question like that, the answer is always, honey, there is nowhere I would rather be right now on this earth than on this flat green slope with you, this is where I wanna be. And of course, if you wanted any action that night, that's exactly what you would say to your spouse. I mean, that's just the way that it is. But my husband being a man of like integrity, says to me, babe, now I want you to know, he didn't just say more. He goes, babe, if I was with Dino and the guys right now, I'd be having much more 
much more fun. <laughs> to which I, famous last words, look over my shoulder, and I went, well, sweetheart, eat my snow. And I turn my skis downhill, and I start going downhill. And about 20 seconds later, I knew I was in very serious trouble on my second somersault that was not intended during that thing. When one ski went flying and the other one didn't, and in midair I heard the loudest pop, pop, pop that you've heard. And I snapped my ACL, tore my MCL, tore my meniscus, fractured my knee. I mean, I was down. And, um, you know, they had to get the ski patrol. You know where they put you in that coffin thing and um, I started to go like in the coffin and I'm going down the mountain everyone's like who's that nerd it was me and um, anyway why am I telling you that oh one body many parts that's right I, I just got distracted about like Park City and so anyway I had to have all this surgery but what I found out prior to that day at Bachelors Gulch I didn't even know I had an ACL I didn't know what an ACL, ABC, XYZ, MSC, I didn't know what existed in there. I go on to find out an ACL is like a, a ligament, smaller than your little finger, tucked in behind your knee. So a ligament that I did not even know was in my body caused me such pain. It crippled me and it paralyzed me. I wasn't, I couldn't think I was in so much pain. I couldn't do what I do. I wonder in the body, instead of comparing and competing and what's the trendy gift and what's the greatest gift, how many snapped ACLs we've got in the body? Yeah. Crippling and paralyzing the body because we devalue. Now imagine I had to have a hamstring graft. Imagine if like the doctor went in to get a piece of my hamstring to put it in my knee so that I could function. If my hamstring the week before it said, I don't wanna be a hamstring. I don't like being a hamstring. I cannot believe it. I'm just like a hamstring. And, 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 and why does Christine's mouth get all the attention? It's just like that mouth is just like so popular and nobody even knows me. Poor me. I want to be an elbow. So if you looked at the body, it's like so deformed. Hamstrings trying to be elbows and ACLs trying to be mouths and... God's like, I thought there was only one head to this whole thing. And I thought every other part of it was to hold up the head and bring the body up into maturity to be Jesus. I wonder, you know, I wonder if we're drifting, if we prefer being inspired by Christian celebrities rather than Christian martyrs. You know, when I was brought up, old school, man, we would have altar calls about one-way missionaries and are you gonna lay down your life for the gospel? And you, that's what you thought you were signing up for, that this was going to be it. God, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything for your glory. And Lord, if you count me worthy to be martyred for your name, I'll do that. But nowadays, oh no, 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 it's like, God, what are you gonna give me if I serve you? What's in it for me? What, what's the latest, coolest Christian celebrity I can follow? And I wonder, if we're forming a generation more by celebrity than we are by martyrs. Whereas following Jesus is about laying down our lives, denying ourselves, taking up your cross and follow Him. It's called Christian Discipleship 101. Maybe you're drifting if you stop gathering and you start isolating. 
I'm not at all talking to anyone online right now. <laughs> Those that absolutely cannot gather, I get it. If there's a medical reason, a physical reason, 100%. But some of you, you just prefer eating Cheerios in bed and watching me <laughs> than getting in the car and driving. The writer to the Hebrews at a time when Christians were literally being killed for gathering together. There must have been some power inherent in gathering that he said, and do not forsake in Hebrews chapter 10, the gathering together as is the habit of some. So I know 2020 was a good reason not to gather, but we are in 2022, just in case you're wondering. Just in case you're wondering. So perhaps you know you're drifting when you stop, when you start isolating and stop gathering. Perhaps you know you're drifting when you stop healing and you start seeping. And seeping toxicity seems to be what our age is good at. Let me just seep over you with all my bitterness and all my anger, my fear, my doubt, my unbelief. I mean, we're trading in the currency of toxicity out there in social media and cancel culture. And so when you stop desiring healing, which is why we come to our great physician, because you're getting more currency and your soul's being stoked more out of seeping and you feel like you're getting more attention, you've drifted. Because eventually that thing's gonna take you out. We have a wonderful healer. Because over time, don't get caught in this cultural moment where this appears to be a lot of currency in toxicity and seeping. Don't get caught up in it because it's not gonna last forever. There's a reason why we go to our healer. And Jesus said, remember, to the man by the pool of Bethesda, he says, do you, I feel like saying this to a whole generation right now, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And let me give you one more and then we'll wrap up. If you wanna be a churchaholic today, I'm gonna to do three different messages today. So this would be a time to binge, is what I'm saying. And so the issue is that I wonder if you're drifting, if you're drifting, if you start yielding into your temptations rather than enduring. The writer to the Hebrews says, in these days you will have need of endurance. And we've got a generation that's not good at enduring, just like first temptation, oh well, praise God, under grace, I can do whatever I want. And we just yield and just yield. You know, when I first started, I've been climbing mountains over these last couple of years and um, so I'm in my happy place here. We're up at Park City with Danny and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wanna move here today. Like it's just beautiful, mountains everywhere. But I couldn't just start doing it. I had to go to the gym and I had to build some muscle. I had to, my elevation, I, you know, I live at sea level in California. I had to build a lot of endurance to be able to do. I'm gonna do on Friday, you know, the, I'm gonna go to the Grand Canyon and do the rim to river and back up. Well, then when I started, I couldn't do that in a day. I couldn't do 19 miles and 5,000, 5,800 feet of elevation in a day. But the fact is that I had to build endurance at 55, build endurance. Well, it's the same in our Christian life. You gotta work some muscles, but the minute, ooh, we don't wanna do it. And we just crumble. 
and we just yield. And yet the whole Christian life is that we, our job, my job is not to entertain you as a teacher in the body of Christ. It's to actually build you up so that you would come to maturity into the fullness of who Jesus is. This is not like a show. But you gotta do some reps. Gotta get into the spiritual gym. And start building some muscle. Because if we crumbled now over these last five years, I'm like, are you kidding me? This was not the great tribulation. It was a tribulation, but it was not the great tribulation. What is coming is gonna be greater, but man, we don't freak out about that. Because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Come on. And this is how we overcome the world. It's even our faith. The crisis we have currently in this nation, it's ultimately not a political, a moral, a sociological, an environmental or an economic problem. Not ultimately. Ultimately is what we're having is a faith issue. We've got too many unbelieving believers. We need some believing believers that believe that God is who He says He is and that God can do what He says that He can do. We need some people that will dare to believe God in this hour, that we will stand steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labour is not in vain, that our God is faithful, that our God is true, that Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both firm and secure and the winds can come and the waves can come but we will stand steadfast and we will remain faithful to the end but you've got to be anchored in Jesus I'm telling you you will drift if you're not anchored in Christ there is an enemy in Revelation 12 12 says he knows his time is short so you're wondering why are things speeding out out of control on the earth because He knows His time is short. We are in a spiritual battle, whether you realise this or not. So that anchor has got to go down deep. And you better make sure you're connected to the anchor. And then you don't have to fear. We can sing that song. And we can know it's true. Because <laughs> of Jesus. I wonder if you know this Jesus that I'm talking about today. Just stay standing for a moment. Not do you know about Him, but do you know Him? And if you don't, both online in this room, I wanna give you the opportunity right now to address the spiritual condition of your heart, friend. You were created by God for a relationship with God. And it's Jesus that connects us to God and it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. And if you don't know Him today, or maybe you once did, but if you say, man, Chris, as you've been talking, I recognise I've drifted away from God. It's time to come home this morning. Here's the good news. Some of you are thinking, I'd love to, but you don't know what I've been doing. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've posted. You don't know who I was in bed with last night. You don't know what I was snorting yesterday. And you're right, I don't, I don't know. But I don't need to know because <laughs> I know what He did 2,000 years ago. My Bible says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May I just say to you that you actually do not have the power to outdrift the grace of God or the love of God, or the mercy of God, or the goodness of God, or the kindness of God, or the forgiveness of God. You're not that powerful. Wherever you are, there He is. So this morning, come home. Come home to Jesus. I just want every head bowed and every eye closed if you're watching online. I just want you to take a moment to consider where you stand spiritually. And today, if you say, Chris, I want what you're talking about today. I need a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either for the very first time where I've been away from God, cold in my heart. I just 
I need to come home to Jesus this morning. I wanna pray for you, just a very simple but powerful prayer right where you're standing. And if you say, Chris, include me in that prayer, I need a fresh start with Jesus Christ this morning. Would you just raise your hand wherever you are so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, 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 I see you there. Thank you over there, thank you over there. That's awesome, thank you back there. I'm gonna give you 10 more seconds. If you say, Chris, I can see hands every section of the room. If you say yes, keep that hand up high. I'm gonna pray a prayer while your hand's up high. I want the whole room, even believers, to pray this out loud after me. Those of us that are believers, we're gonna pray this in agreement with you. So many of you have got your hands raised. We're gonna pray this in agreement with you this morning as you say yes to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand today because I recognise my need for you. I'm sorry that I've been living my life my own way and ignoring you. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. And I ask today that you would forgive me for all of my sins, that you would give me a fresh start today and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.